This is information not being reported by anyone else. You want the scoop? Here it is with Darren Doogie Wolfson. This hump day, middle of the day, middle of the afternoon on the 30th of May brings you what allegedly is a milestone scoop podcast. It is episode... 150. Guest-wise, here is who we have. Latavius Murray, Vikings running back. Buffalo Sabres rookie, the pride of Eden Prairie, former gopher Casey Middlestat. And the greatest snowcross driver ever. He is from northern Minnesota. He recently retired. He is Tucker Hibbert. This podcast also, like most of the time, will include all sorts of Wolves notes. We'll start with Vikings notes before I get to my conversation with Latavius. This podcast is brought to you by, appropriately enough, Skull Marketing. They are a business-to-business marketing agency. Your small business deserves more attention. They specialize in working with local small businesses. They, too, are a locally owned company started by two former Google employees to help the little guys compete. They will work with your business in web development, pay-per-click advertising, social media management, and so many more areas. Let's make Google work for you. These guys used to work for Google. They know how to make Google work for you so your business pops up in a Google search before others. Online for more information, it's skullmarketing.com or call them for a free 30-minute consultation. 612-787-SKOLL. 612-787-SKOLL. Again, online, skullmarketing.com. It is Skoll Marketing, keeping the Scoop podcast going. After being at the Twin Cities Orthopedic Performance Center on Wednesday, I was told by a couple Vikings officials they feel really good about their pitch to free agent linebacker Michael Kendricks. He wrapped up a visit with the Vikings on Wednesday morning. What's interesting is the Vikings did not reach out immediately after Michael was let go by Philadelphia. It took them a good five to six days to express interest, but then it ramped up. He came to town for a visit. He went out to dinner with his brother, Eric Kendricks, the other night, and he met with Vikings coaches. And what's interesting is The Vikings feel good about their pitch, okay? Well, what does that pitch entail? That's what I'm continuing to dig on. How are they going to get Michael Kendricks on the field potentially 60% of the time, 65% of the time? Because when they go to nickel defense, your linebackers are Anthony Barr and Eric Kendricks. But could they do some creative things with Anthony Barr having his hand on the ground potentially? All I know is the pitch they made to Michael included a good amount of of snaps. He is, as has been reported, will visit the Raiders and Browns next with a decision expected in the next 48 to 72, who knows, maybe 96 hours or so. By this time next week, we should know where Michael Kendricks lands. The Browns do have the most cap space. The Vikings, as of this second, have approximately $17 million in cap space. Here's good news. On Wednesday, all 90 players were present. On the health report, Everson Griffin did not have a helmet. He had a wrap on his left knee. Jeff Baudet remains out with an ankle injury. I'm told it's an ankle injury. The Vikings do not disclose what the injuries are this time of the year. But for Baudet, I'm told, ankle injury. Pat Elfline had the offseason surgery, but he is making good progress. But he, too, did not have a helmet. Andrew Sandejo did not have a helmet. Neither did Stacy Coley or Rock Thomas. Dalvin Cook, Tyler Conklin, Devontae Downs, and Trey Matthews warmed up. 
Then they went through some rehab. But certainly Dalvin Cook is ahead of schedule. He is making unbelievable progress. I think there's a decent chance he will have full clearance by the start of training camp on Conklin. I am told it's a hamstring injury. He is close. We may even see him back in team workouts next week, next time we have access next week. So on Conklin, definitely not a serious injury. I am told Tyler Conklin, their fifth-round pick, the tie end, impressed at rookie minicamp. They really like what he has been able to do. Some other things that stood out on Wednesday at Vikings OTA access, Riley Reef, Tom Compton, and Danny Isidura made up the left side of the offensive line. So Compton and Isidora rotated at left guard with Pat Elfline out. Nick Easton played center. Then Mike Remmers was at right guard, and Rashad Hill was at right tackle. I talked about this last year. I'll continue to say this. The Vikings have a very healthy opinion of Rashad Hill, so I would not be surprised come September 9th. Now, it'll be a competition, but I will not be surprised if Rashad Hill is the starting right tackle and Remmers is the starting right guard. It was a good Wednesday for rookie kicker Daniel Carlson. The writing is on the wall that Kai Forbath will not be the Vikings kicker this year, that it'll be the rookie from Auburn. Mac Brown took second team running back reps behind Latavius Murray. And Mike Hughes got some work first team nickel talking to a Vikings coach on background later in the day on Wednesday. I heard a lot of good things about Mike Hughes. Also the undrafted rookie from Texas, Holton Hill has opened eyes. I think there's a decent chance that Hill makes the 53-man roster. If I had to put together a projection of the 53-man roster today, I think Hill makes it. I don't think they risk putting him through waivers. After Wednesday's practice, I sat down with Vikings running back Latavius Murray for a wide-ranging conversation. It went about eight minutes. So here is that conversation. Me, one-on-one with Latavius. Let's go sequentially. Let's go back to January 22nd. We were in the locker room, so it was after the Eagles loss. You told me, hey, I need to get away. I need to go somewhere warm. I'm not going to hang around the Twin Cities Super Bowl week. A, did you hold true to that? Did you escape? Did you not come back to town? And B, how long did it take to overcome the loss to the Eagles? Yeah, um, I held true to that, you know, because for me, um, to be that close, um, you know, I, it, it kind of hit home for me. You know, I, you know, I, I know I've known for a while that I've always loved this game. I, I've known for a while that, uh, that you know, what's important to me and, and you know, it's family, you know, f- football. Um, but, uh, but I kind of, uh, I kind of, I, I kind of, I, I woken up to a, to, a, to a bit of things, how important winning was to me um, when we took that loss. And so, uh, you know, I didn't, I had no desire to come and be around football. You know, why, why, why come and you know, see another team in, in a position that I wanted to be in when we were so close. Why come and do all these appearances when I'm not feeling right about what just happened two weeks ago? So um, I held true to that. I took, a, I actually took a drive from Minnesota all the way down to Miami. I drove my car, I packed my Lexus or my Mercedes up, and drove down to uh, Miami. So it was, uh, it was some. Uh, kind of you know meditation for me in a sense it was therapeutic um it was what I needed uh and so I'm, I was I was glad that I did that and so obviously yeah I'm 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 over it I'm 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 really excited about just having another opportunity you know to to do what we didn't do so it's March they come to you and say hey we need to redo your contract was that an easy call for you or was that a tough call for you to stay here in Minnesota um, 
Well, it's two, it's two sides of it because you got to look at it. Um, you, you have to look at it from their side, um, up the business side of things. And then you, then I have my point of view and, and my side and me taking care of me and me taking care of my family and, you know, being, you know, okay. Um, in, in that sense. And so, um, but when it came down to it, it came down to the one thing, how, how important is winning to me, how important is being on a, a team that gives me that opportunity. And, um, you know, again, uh, at the end of the day, that's, that's, that's why I did it. I don't, I'm not playing for money. Don't get me wrong. The money is, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's great. It's, you know, it's a blessing and I'm able to, you know, do great things with my money. Um, and I'm able to have a good life. Um, but at the end of the day, um, as I just told you, finding out last year how important winning is to me, and I have a really good chance of doing that here. And then continuing, okay, so then April comes. You go visit troops where? Italy, Germany. Did that maybe put some things in perspective, too, that who cares if the team came and, and asked me to redo my contract? I mean, when you see those troops away from their families for as long as they are, serving our country did that put things in perspective most definitely and um a lot of people don't know my fiance is uh in the navy active you know member she's just not stationed overseas fortunately for uh her and i and our new newborn baby on the way so um but yeah you know apart from her and our relationship and her being in the navy um you know we we you know we're very fortunate to play you know obviously play football um for a living to you know we get to travel the world a little bit while playing, um, and uh, you know we get to have fun. We get to go out there and play 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 a game. Um, and so, uh, but you look at their situation where they uh, they don't have a, as much say so on where they want to be. Um, you know they have you know a greater a greater goal in, in mind, and that's serving this country and making sure we are allowed the freedom that we have. And so. Um, just as it was beneficial for them, I'm sure it was very beneficial for everybody that went over there um, because uh, it, it put a lot of things in perspective and it, it gave me a great appreciation for uh, doing what I do and uh, knowing that they're allowing me to do that. I mean, it just it put a big smile on your face. I mean, maybe even more so than, than when you hopped on that airplane going over there. Yeah, for sure. Um, just to see how really just to see families over there, families from where we're from, families from the same from from the U.S. Um, and then football fans um, far, far away from from home. Um, but again, fighting for us, you know, and uh, it definitely puts a smile on your face. It, all, it you know, it, it hits home. And so you got to appreciate that. OK, and then it's April 16th. You're back here for for offseason workouts. I mean, next thing you know, you go from overseas to right back into the grind of the season. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's what it's all about. At the end of the day, you you know, you take some time off. You you're able to take a trip like the USO trip. You also can take some personal trips or take some personal time. You know, training, working out. But you know, all of that is again, you know, to come out here and get back to work, get back on the field, get better, um, come together as a team. So again, we can uh, we can accomplish what we want to accomplish. You say get better. Where can you individually get better? Oh, there's a lot of a lot of places. That, you know, I, I you know I, to be, to to say that. I'm great at anything. Um, you know, I, I guess to me, I'd be lying to you. You know, I, I, I can say I have a great work ethic, and I'm going to try and push to be a great running back. But um, there's just constantly things I can be better at. I can be better at pass protection. I can be better, um, you know, yards after contact. I can be better, you know, catching the ball and getting in a position so they want to throw me the ball. Um, 
I can be better, uh, a better runner. I can just be better all around as a running back. And so, um, you know, the fact that I know that is uh, is only going to help me because that's only going to make me get better because I'm not coming out here thinking that I got to figure it all out. Do you foresee your role changing to a degree with with McKinnon gone? Um, you know, I, I hope so. Honestly, you know, I, I'd be lying to you if I said I didn't want to. I want to catch the ball. I, I want the ball any way I can get it. Um, and so. I know that takes me improving. I know that takes me earning their trust um, on third down and being a running back that out of the backfield that can catch the ball. So, uh, you know, I'm working towards that. I'm working towards getting better in that area um, along with everything else I just mentioned. Well, maybe after two more, DeFilippo's offense, the new offense, how does that fit your skill set? How much different is it from, from the previous offenses you've played in? Um, I think, you know, I'm not going to say that it's, you know, a world of difference, maybe some some new things we're adding in, maybe some things we may not do anymore. Uh, terminology is different, but you know, um, you know, obviously with the success that they had there in uh, in Philadelphia, um, he's uh, he's he, again he's putting us in position to make plays, and also he's using the running back, um, you know, a great deal um, in the in, in the past game, and obviously you know he, he wants to run the ball, and so. Um, you have to appreciate that, and again, that's why I want to go out here and earn the trust, so that uh, you know I am a, a option to be on the field uh, in any down, in any situation. Speaking of appreciating, how much do you appreciate your new quarterback? Uh, appreciate him very much. I appreciate his knowledge. Uh, I appreciate his passion, um, his leadership out here. Um, he just gets it, um, and I think you you gotta love that. Just kind of how how poised and how calm he is, but he's still able to go out here and have fun while we're doing it. Um, it's been it's been cool to see, and so I'm uh, excited to still again just get better with him, come together as an offense, um, come together as a team, and just see where we could take this thing. And you say he gets it. I mean, have you been around quarterbacks that don't get it? I mean, what does what does getting it quote unquote mean? You just you 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 see his uh, you see the level of confidence he has in himself, um, and not to say that there's quarterbacks that I haven't been around, but he just. He just has that about him. I, I just, I, I think they say, you know what I mean. You, maybe you can't explain it, but you just kind of feel it and you just see it. And uh, and with him, I really do. Um, I, I can't explain it. He just has a confidence about himself, and you know, maybe also at the same time a swag about himself that uh, that I think is the reason why he's done a lot of good things and the reason why he's here. Murray isn't the only one in Egan who believes Cousins has that swag. Going on background with one coach, yeah, I mean, the first impression that Cousins has left has been impressive. Same goes for Stefan Diggs and Adam Thielen, not first impressions, but just how they've looked through two weeks of OTAs. This coach did say, though, hey, we still have question marks at tight end. We still have some question marks along the offensive line. We still have some question marks about Dalvin Cook. We all think Dalvin Cook will come back and be the old Dalvin Cook, but that remains to be seen. So before you start crowning the Vikings offense a top-five offense, saying, hey, it's a foregone conclusion that John Filippo will be a head coach next year, hey, just slow your roll just a little bit. There are some question marks about the offense. But nonetheless, I do know there's a lot of optimism in Egan coming off last year. All right, let's move on to the Wolves. Currently, the Wolves have their brain trust in Los Angeles for all the agency workouts this week. Creative Arts Agency, Wasserman, Bill Duffy, on and on and on. The NBA world outside of the Warriors and Cavs 
is in Los Angeles this week for all these pro days. That includes Tom Thibodeau. But I am told General Manager Scott Layden wasn't there earlier in the week. I did not have time to check earlier today. I'm taping this again on Wednesday afternoon. So it's possible Layden has made it, but he wasn't there earlier in the week. I am told he was dealing with some personal stuff. So nothing professionally, but that Scott had some personal stuff to tend to. But Assistant General Manager Noah Kroom is there as is personnel director Brian Pauga. I certainly haven't had time to chase updates on every single guy, but I was curious to find out how Grayson Allen of Duke performed on Wednesday. I had a non-Wolf scout text me back the words, off the charts. This is coming off a very impressive combine. His athleticism tested off the charts. He shot the ball well. He shot the ball particularly well. On Wednesday, Grayson Allen definitely has a chance to go in the first round. And the Wolves, there's been some back and forth with the Allen camp to try and see if Allen can come to Minnesota for a workout. So we'll wait and see if that takes place in June. But certainly Grayson Allen is among a handful of names that the Wolves will consider if they end up keeping the 20th pick. Certainly trading the 20th pick is a possibility as well. Dante DiVincenzo of Villanova. Will work out for the Wolves on Monday at Mayo Clinic Square, I am told. He is absolutely in the mix to go 20th. You think about DiVincenzo, his shooting, his athleticism, his toughness. I think he is the kind of player that Tom Thibodeau would enjoy. Here are some other guys that will work out for the Wolves in the month of June. Jacob Evans of Cincinnati, Vince Edwards of Purdue, and Apple Valley native from Duke, Gary Trent Jr. He also interviewed with the Wolves at the Combine in Chicago. I am told Trent Jr. also has planned workouts in June with the Blazers, Bucks, Nets, and Spurs. He previously worked out for the L.A. Lakers. The Wolves had a draft workout last Friday before the Brain Trust headed out to Southern California. Reed Travis and Nuni Oma, two local guys, were among the group of six. That worked out in front of Tom Thibodeau and others. I am told by one Wolves official that Reed Travis was very impressive. He played hard. He looked good. But no surprise if you're a religious listener of this podcast to find out on Wednesday that Reed Travis is going back to college, but not to Stanford. So he withdrew from the draft. He will play another year of college. And certainly Kentucky is very, 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 very much in the mix, which again is not a surprise if you're a listener of this podcast. So Reed Travis will be a graduate transfer. Then he will be eligible once again for the NBA draft next year. My opinion, but being a McDonald's All-American, the success that he's had at Stanford, the success he'll have at a blue blood, likely Kentucky, maybe somewhere else. Villanova has lost a lot of guys, so I know Villanova has some interest. But still, Kentucky is the favorite to land Reed. So presumably he'll have success again next year. He is an NBA player. He can shoot it. He's been working on the shot. That's the one question mark. But he is strong. He is tough. He's got a motor. Reed Travis will play in the NBA, in my opinion, for a very long time. On Nuni Oman, I'm told he shot the ball well. He went to Matamidi High School. Incredible story. He didn't make the varsity until sometime his senior year. Ended up bouncing around. Some junior colleges played at Concordia St. Paul then finished his collegiate career at Baylor. Some other notes about local draft prospects, J.P. Makira of Lakeville North, Xavier. He will work out for the Phoenix Suns on Thursday, then the L.A. Clippers next Monday. He worked out for the Spurs 
the other day. Then Zach Lofton, Columbia Heights High School, played for the Gophers for like a week or so. Actually didn't even play in a game for them, but he technically was on the Gophers roster for a hot second. He worked out in front of scouts at the Wasserman Pro Day earlier this week in Southern California. Then there's the unfortunate news about former Gopher Nate Mason. He underwent surgery on his hip on Wednesday. It will be a many months recovery, so his pro career will be delayed by a good year. Them being as provincial as I am, I would be remiss to not address and tie it into the local team the story that everybody in the NBA is talking about, the ringer story about Brian Colangelo of the Philadelphia 76ers allegedly tweeting out all sorts of stuff he should not have been tweeting out. It's one heck of a story. Burner accounts. I am told Tom Thibodeau is not on Twitter, but I can tell you he sees all the tweets. There are multiple members of the front office that are religiously on Twitter. In fact, I'm positive they spend far too much time on Twitter. Control the things you can control. Who cares what I'm tweeting, what John Krasinski is tweeting, what Jerry Zagoda is tweeting? Also, as he has talked about on this podcast before, Wolves owner Glenn Taylor is on Twitter. Clearly not under his regular name, but he does check Twitter. His wife, Becky, helps him with that. All right, let's get to the Twins. I am taping this on mid-afternoon on Wednesday. So technically, as I'm taping this, the Twins have not made a roster move. But as I reported on Twitter, shameless plug, D. Wolfs on KSTP. D. Wolfs on KSTP. Aaron Slagers is up. He has joined the Twins in Kansas City, so they will activate him at some point here on Wednesday. And I fully expect Byron Buxton to go to the DL. Remember, he was out 20-ish days with that toe injury, did not go on a rehab assignment. I addressed that on Scoop Podcast episode 149 with General Manager Thad Levine. Thad's point was, hey, remember the last time we went on a rehab assignment, he got hurt. We value his defense so much. We weighed, should we, should we not? And we just thought he could overcome some of the offensive hiccups and help us so much defensively that we decide no rehab assignment. But the toe really hasn't fully healed. I am told that Byron Buxton has been playing through all sorts of pain. He's been taking all sorts of medication. There is no way anybody can question that man's toughness. He has been doing everything he can. Yes, I get it. The numbers stink. He has been slumping. But just know that Byron Buxton isn't even close to even 75% health-wise. He should be on the DL. He should be out here for a while. This could be a multi-week recovery, and he clearly will need a rehab assignment. So I'm just telling you, as I'm taping this, and Byron Buxton, we do know, is not in the lineup on Wednesday night. I'm just telling you, I expect Byron Buxton to be out a certain amount of time, maybe not a significant amount, but I don't think we will see Byron Buxton back in the Twins lineup for some time because I'm telling you, he needs a rehab assignment, and I think he'll need more than the 10 days on the disabled list. The good injury news is Joe Maurer remains symptom-free of the concussion symptoms, concussion-like symptoms. Now going on five days, all signs point to Joe Maurer being back in the Twins lineup by this weekend, a big series against the Indians. It is hard to fathom that the Twins have eight walk-off losses already after the most recent walk-off loss on Tuesday night. The draft begins on Monday. The Twins have $5,933,000 of pool money for the top 10 rounds. $5.933 million 
And keep in mind, they only have two picks in the top 100. Now they still have their first-round pick, pick number 20, but they lost a pick for signing Lance Lynn, and they traded a pick when they traded Phil Hughes to the Padres last week. So the draft, not as much fun to cover this year compared to last year when they had all that money, the number one pick. They were brilliant the way they maneuvered and got guys over slot, under slot, just the way they massaged everything last year. It was a sight to behold. It was genius. And a lot of those guys are off to phenomenal starts in their pro careers. This year, just a bit less dramatic. Some local guys to note, Sean Jelly, Matamidi High School, University of Kentucky. His advisor is Scott Boros. I am told the Cubs and Yankees, among a handful of teams, have done a lot of homework on Jelly. Jake Irvin, Bloomington Jefferson, the ace for the University of Oklahoma. I am told the New York Yankees have done a ton of homework on Irvin. Also, Gus Varland. He went to North St. Paul High School, the ace from Concordia St. Paul. Here's an interesting note, a fun note. He will throw for Chicago Cub Scouts on Thursday at Wrigley Field. There's a legit chance that Gus Varland goes in the top 10 rounds. All right. I recently caught up with Casey Middlestadt, Eden Prairie native, Eden Prairie High School, former gopher. He made his NHL debut at the end of the season, signing his pro contract with the Buffalo Sabres. He scored his first NHL goal, in fact. So it was a good debut in the NHL for Casey Middlestadt. He will fight to be on Buffalo's opening night roster come the fall, but all signs point to he's in a good spot to contribute next year as well to the Buffalo NHL team, not having to go to the minors, but that remains to be seen. But anyway, I recently caught up with Casey to review leaving the Gophers and signing with Buffalo, then scoring his first NHL goal. Casey, as you look back at the last year, how crazy is it? I mean, go back to like last mid-May, late May. All the things that changed in your life over the last year, how crazy is it? Yeah, I mean, it's been a bit of a whirlwind. I think um, my whole family and I have definitely really enjoyed it, though. Obviously, there's some things you, you could never imagine would have even happened, and somehow they're, they're here. So um, it's definitely been a whirlwind, but I, I think we've really enjoyed it, and we, we've had a blast doing it. I mean, obviously enjoying signing your pro contract, you know, turning pro, and then all of a sudden, I mean, you play six games, five points in six games. I mean, everything happened so fast. Yeah, I think um, I got pretty lucky. I got got to go out there, and they gave me an opportunity to play right away, and um, I think that helped a lot. I got to play with good 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 players on the team. Um, kind of found some chemistry and just played. I think that's the main thing. Once you're out there and, and you're playing, it's still hockey, so uh, it wasn't too bad for me. It is still hockey, but you know whether it's the speed. I mean, how much different is the NHL game compared to you know whether your time at Eden Prairie or playing you know uh, what in juniors or or even at the University of Minnesota. Um, yeah, I think it's probably the question I get asked the most. I, I don't know how much faster it is. I think is everyone's just so smart. They're all going to the right spots. They're all doing the right things and uh, taking away the right lanes, things like that. I, I think that was the biggest difference for me. And then obviously on top of that, everyone's older, everyone's stronger. So it's a bit of an adjustment there. But um, overall, I didn't think it was too bad. How beneficial were those six games? So now you know this summer exactly what you need to work on. Yeah, they're definitely very beneficial. I kind of got to get a little sneak peek into, into what it's like, and um, I think more than anything, it benefited me just away from the rink, kind of getting to figure out like how to get to the planes and how to how to do all that stuff. I think that's probably the thing that benefited me the most. So, um, yeah, it was definitely very good, and obviously, there's things I know I need to work on now. Take us through your first NHL goal. Uh, yeah, um, 
I think uh, Rodriguez made a good play, and Scandella kind of faked a shot and ended up right on my tape. I think um, I've joked with a lot of my old coaches and my buddies, and um, I've always been there on the power play, and it seems like I score a lot of my goals from there. So it was kind of fitting, and um, I think I just shot it in low glove or something like that. There's a good screen, so I didn't do too much, but uh, it was definitely very exciting, and my dad was there, so that was definitely cool. Do you have the puck? Yeah, I don't have it yet. I think they're making a plaque or something in Buffalo, but I'll have it soon enough. So you trust the equipment guy or somebody to make sure that they don't lose that puck? Uh, yeah, I, I guess enough. Hopefully, I think that's worth getting a plaque, so hopefully hopefully they'll figure it out. Did you reflect upon your decision to go pro? I mean, everything you experienced in those six games just reaffirm your decision to leave the university after one year? Yeah, I think it was definitely hard to leave the university. I like I've I've said a million times, I'm a pretty stereotypical Minnesota hockey kid. I, I uh, played high school, went to the University of Minnesota, loved it there. It was always my dream to play there, and um, I don't know, I just felt like it was the right move. And once I got up there, there's plenty of times where I was a little bit starstruck, or I don't know exactly the right word, but uh, just to realize like what I'm getting to do right now, and I, I definitely reaffirmed that, that I made the right decision, and I definitely enjoyed it. On your time with the Gophers, I mean, how would you evaluate the year? I mean... You guys came so close. You guys miss out on the NCAA tournament by just, you know, the whisker of, what, point zero zero whatever, and then UMD goes on to win the national championship. Yeah, I mean, um, we were watching the game with all the guys. It was definitely tough, tough to see that, and um, obviously it's not the way we wanted it to end. And uh, we struggled a little bit at times during the year. I think it, overall it was hard for our team to just kind of get going, and then we'd get going, and then uh, some would happen. And so it was tough, but... Um, I think if we had made the tournament, I honestly think we could have made a really good run. We had a really good team, and um, looking back on it, it's definitely definitely tough. And speaking of tough, was it tough to see Don Lucia walk away? Yeah, I think, um, like we've all talked about, I have plenty of people have said it. Um, he's been the heartbeat of it for a while, won two national championships, plenty of conference titles, done everything, and he kind of become the face of the program, and um, it's definitely going to be tough. He was a really good guy to all, all the players, and we, we all supported him, and Obviously, it's tough to see him go, but um, I've, I've heard only good things about Motsko, so I'm sure he'll do a great job. And um, on top of that, I think it's, it's hard, really hard to see Genner go, too. Um, obviously, those two have kind of been the face of it, and uh, Genner bleeds it, so it's a tough one to see, too. Yeah, I mean, 25 years, player, coach that first time, comes back. I mean, Mike Gensel, I mean, yeah, you think of go for hockey, you think of Mike Gensel, but yeah, I mean, I'm Motsko seemingly it's it's a good hire i mean you still have a lot of friends on the team will you still follow them pretty closely oh yeah i'll follow them super closely i got to play for for coach Matsko and uh at world juniors last year so i got a kind of a, a sneak peek into what he'd be like and i loved him completely it was great great playing with them there and um, i'm sure everyone will like him there at the u and it should be very good and uh yeah i'll definitely watch them very closely see a player's coach yeah he seemed like it i think um yeah, he was kind of hanging out, joking around with the guys quite a bit. So I, I always, I always like that. I always think that's fun. So, um, yeah, I definitely think he'll definitely be a players coach. Is Phil Housley a players coach? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I wasn't there long, I think, so I didn't get a full, a full kind of sneak into it. But um, yeah, it seems like he's a players coach, um, kind of on your side as your back, and uh, it's definitely something that's important. So I, I would say so. How good of a situation is Buffalo for you? I mean, is the drafts unfolding? You don't know exactly where you're going to go. But Buffalo ultimately takes you. I mean, how good of a situation moving forward is Buffalo for you? Yeah, I think obviously there's a lot of young guys there. I mean, everyone talks about Eichel, and you don't even realize he's he's only 21 years old. So 
um, it's there's definitely going to be a lot of excitement there with the first overall pick, and we got other guys, a ton of young guys. Um, Rochester did really good and made the AHL playoffs this year, so that's something that's exciting too. And there's a lot of young guys; they're all really close. It seems like so it's definitely really exciting for me, and it seems like a great place to live. It feels almost like the Midwest, so um, it, it kind of feels like home to me already. So it's perfect. Is your mindset, Casey, this summer that that you need to win a job come training camp in the preseason that you're not guaranteed anything heading into next year? Yeah, I think that's that's pretty much anyone's mindset. No matter how comfortable you are, you gotta you gotta keep working hard and keep passing guys. Otherwise, you fall down the list, and eventually, what you do isn't enough. So, uh, for me, that's probably always been my mindset and keep it going. Who's gonna win the Stanley Cup? Well, I have you. I mean, you got Travis Boyd with the Capitals. You got Nate Schmidt, Eric Kala with with the Vegas Golden Knights. I don't know. It just somehow just seems like it's Vegas's year with the whole expansion thing, and um, I, I'd probably go Vegas. I mean, is that good, though? I mean, you see that Vegas, I mean, they have all these guys that, that teams cast aside. I mean, does it give a team like Buffalo, you guys, maybe some, I don't know, some mojo heading into next year that, hey, anything is possible, that, hey, it's not just Pittsburgh and Chicago and Los Angeles they are going to win every single year? Yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely cool to see. I think the whole expansion thing is pretty cool. I know some people are kind of kind of chirping on it, but I, I think it's really cool. Everyone was completely doubting them out at the beginning of the year, and um, here they are making a run, and you can tell they're having a blast doing it. So um, I, I definitely think it's good for the league, and it's good for Vegas, kind of turn them into a hockey city. So um, it's definitely been really cool to watch. Did you go back and finish the school year after you were done with, with the six games with the Sabres? No, I was too I was too far behind at that point. I thought I was going to go to world championships too, which didn't end up working out. But um, So I no, I had to drop my classes. Is there a goal, though, at some point to go back and get your degree? Oh, yeah, for sure. I, I'm definitely on my bucket list. I think um, my mom would kill me if I didn't, so that's probably one of the main reasons. But I definitely will do, go back and get it for sure, yeah. Was there some frustration to not be able to play in the world championships? Yeah, I think the, it was definitely frustrating. I mean, I always wanted to do it. I think being a, I was pretty much a college kid this year, I guess. But being a college kid, you see a few guys do that every year. And then to be one of those, get invited, it's, it would have been really cool. And get to play with guys like Kane and Gaudreau, who I've, I've absolutely loved to watch for forever now. So I think it definitely been really cool. And it sucks that it didn't work out. How are you right now health-wise? I'm good. I'm getting back into the swing of everything. So um, I've been feeling really good. So hopefully it continues to get better. And you'll be able to get back on the ice here pretty quick here this summer? Yeah, I should be back on the ice any day now. So, so it's definitely getting better, and hopefully we keep improving. A few quick leftover notes, and then I'll get to Tucker Hibbert, and we'll call it a podcast. Zeke Najee, Hopkins High School Jr., picked up an offer this week from Arizona. So he's now up to, what is it, 17 or 18 offers. He's got so many offers. Yes, Richard Patino and the Gophers want him badly. The schools that are in contact with him that have not offered yet, but may soon, Kansas, Georgetown, and Louisville. And he's going to take some visits in August. He's trying out for the USA Under-17 team, so there's a chance he makes that team, then ends up going to Argentina. So a lot of June, plus the first couple weeks of July, would be busy. So he's looking at August for taking some visits. Ben Carlson, sophomore from Eastridge High School, has offers recently from Northwestern and Purdue. He's also visiting Notre Dame this week. Yes, he's another guy that has an offer from Richard Pitino and the Gophers. Paige Beckers, congratulations to the sophomore from Hopkins. She made the USA Under-17 team 
this week. She, when it's all said and done, will go down in history as one of the best players in Minnesota high school basketball history. Also on Gophers Basketball, Amir Coffey coming off the shoulder surgery is up to shooting. So we thought it might be June, but I'm told here late this month, Amir Coffey has been able to get some shots up. He starts workouts with a trainer later this week. So he is ramping up his summer workouts, getting cleared to do more and more by the week. All right, Tucker Hibbert, the best snowcross racer in the history of the sport so many x games championships he recently retired i had a chance to catch up with tucker tucker 33 years old why retire um you know i'm not that old obviously 33 isn't isn't very old for retiring but for uh for the sport of snowcross and you know action sports like that it's i'm a little bit on the older the older end of the spectrum compared to my competition and uh yeah i mean i'm i'm satisfied and happy with what i've done and been able to accomplish and i feel like right now is uh the right time to to step away from racing snowcross and figure out what's you know what's next for me in life so was it a relatively easy decision then uh no it wasn't super easy but i mean i've kind of known for a while that that i'm reaching the end of my career and i've just kind of been taking it one year at a time and seeing how i feel at the end of the season and you know this last year i had a a super solid race season i won the championship and won a lot of races and uh, i want to i want to be able to retire on kind of my own terms and and stop racing when i'm healthy still and competitive i never wanted to like be the slow guy out there getting beat and you know I've, i've had so much success and won so much in the past that i think it would be hard to you know eventually be slow and just not be up front winning races that I don't think I'd be okay with that so you know I just feel like now's the right time to to call it quits and and uh you know look back on my career and be happy and and uh you know satisfied with what I've done would you be slow though I mean you are you just said it coming off yet another championship yeah you never know I mean that's the thing with racing I mean when you start to get a little older and towards the end of your career, you just never know what's going to happen. And I feel like I could win another championship next year and I could still win races, but at the same time, I couldn't, I can't do it forever. I mean, there's going to be a time when, when I am old and slow and, you know, not able to do it. So you just never know when that time's going to come. And I just feel like now is, uh, is the right time to, to be done racing. And, and like I said, be happy and satisfied. It's been one hell of a run though, hasn't it? I mean, did you win your first X games? At 15? Yeah, I was able to win my first X Games at 15, so that was uh, a bit of a shock for me. I wasn't really expecting to, to win that race. I was just happy to be there, uh, happy for the the experience. I was just a young young kid, and I was actually racing against my dad that day. So it was a pretty pretty exciting moment for me and something that really kind of launched my, my racing career for me and got me started down this path that's you know taken me a lot of places and gave me a lot of good memories and a lot of good experiences. And then you turned pro right after that. Was that that next year? Did you turn pro as a 16-year-old? So I guess when we're talking about, what, 17 years of of being a professional, when you think about it in those terms, it makes sense, right? I mean, most professional athletes don't have a run of 17 years. Yeah, for sure. You know, I'm I'm not an old man by any means, but I've been doing this for a long, long time. And and uh, after that many years of racing, you know, it starts to take a little toll on your body. And, you know, I'm just I'm thankful that I that I started as early as I did, because now I have so much life ahead of myself that I can figure out, you know, what I want to do and, and what's next and experience a lot, a lot more things. And uh, I'm excited to see what what that is and where I go. And 
um, yeah, just not real sure what the future holds for me, but that's exciting for me, and I'm, I'm okay with that. Just figure it out. On the memories, I mean, it's a lengthy list, but are there a few that stick out above others? Yeah, I think the the first X Games win is probably one of the the most memorable races for me. And there are so many races over the years that were exciting and unique in their own way. And um, I had some pretty intense come from behind wins where I would fall in the first turn or get pushed off the track or just get a bad start and end up way in the back and have to figure out how to get to the front. And it was never easy, you know. It's it's a challenge when you're in that position. But I feel like. Um, some of those races I just was able to to put the hammer down and just find my way to the front and and I know a lot of uh, people and fans that have watched those races those are the ones that stick out to them those pretty intense like come from behind wins and figure out how to do it and you know do something that most people think that I couldn't do and end up pulling it off somehow so those are pretty cool memories for sure I mean you say somehow I mean how do you pull it off how do you put that (laughs) hammer down I don't really know. I mean, for me, racing, I, I'm just motivated and focused, and and uh, I always want to win. And, and when the race starts, I'm just like, everything just happens. Like, I'm not really, I don't, you don't have time to think about things and make decisions that you hope are the right ones. You just react to everything that's happening because it's so fast and there's so much going on around you that if you take time to think about something it's usually too late so so yeah i don't really know how i was able to to do some of those crazy races and and come from behind wins it just uh you know god gave me a lot of talent to to ride my snowmobile and i've been working super hard myself and my team and and everyone around me puts in so much energy and so much work uh to help us be prepared for those races and all that just pays off when you're when you're out there in the moment what about the future of snowcross i mean do you feel like your sport's in, in a good spot moving forward here? Yeah, the, the sport of snowcross is is awesome. I mean, I've been in it for a long time, and I've seen it when it's been kind of in some pretty low points. And right now I would say it's on a high. You know, the, the ISOC series is doing a great job uh, putting on races, and they have an awesome show. You know, like the, the, the package of racing for a fan to come and experience on a, on a race weekend is so much better today than it was 10 years ago. It's so much more exciting and uh, I think people really enjoy going to the races. So I'm, I'm looking forward to watching some of those races. I don't know what that's going to feel like because I haven't missed any races really in my whole career. I've pretty much been out there for every single one of them. And uh, it's going to be a different experience for me to be on the other side of the fence and, and kind of, you know, being entertained and, and watching the races from the sidelines. But I think Snowcross is healthy and, and strong, and there's a lot of fast racers out there. Obviously, I've had a lot of... A lot of competition over the years, and I think there's going to be some exciting racing coming in the in the future here. You say watch on the other side of the fence, but, I mean, you say the future is, is uncertain. I mean, could the future potentially involve you being involved somehow behind the scenes, not necessarily on the track racing, but, but being involved somehow, whether it's marketing or, or you name, you know, the area? Yeah, you never know. I mean, for me, I don't have any immediate plans to be super involved with racing. I think it's going to be nice for me to be able to take a step back and just kind of, you know, take a break from the the intensity of what racing is. But that doesn't mean I'm not going to be at some races. You know, I'm sure I'll go to at least a couple of them. And uh, I got some, you know, my good friend Logan Christian that's racing still, and, and I'll be cheering for him to get up there and get those wins. But, yeah, I mean, I just I really don't know what the future holds as far as my involvement in racing and I think uh, we'll figure it out as we go, but I for sure I'm going to be, you know, at a minimum keeping an eye on it and, and watching and cheering on Logan. And you never know, I might be out there helping him or helping some other racers or 
I guess you just never know. We'll see. Will you do some stuff for fans somewhere along the way so fans can, can pay their proper respects to say goodbye to you? Yeah, I mean, I I don't want to think of it like I'm, you know, like I'm I've died or something. No, but but, but, uh, but they're not going to see you nearly as much, even if you're somehow involved behind the scenes. Yeah, when you're the face of the sport. Yeah, for sure. My fans are super important to me. That's been a huge part of my success and my enjoyment with racing is sharing that with my fans and them sharing their passion with me at the racetrack and. Um, yeah, we're, we're excited to do some events, and, and uh, we're kind of planning right now some different things that we're going to do and, and be able to spend time with the fans and have them come and get posters and pictures and, you know, kind of the normal thing, but I'm sure this is maybe going to be a little bit more uh, of a send-off, I guess, since I'm kind of ending my racing career. So it'll be fun to see, you know, what the fans' reactions are to, you know, me not being out there, but they've been super supportive so far. And, and uh, you know, one event we're going to do this summer is uh, the Make-A-Wish Walk for Wishes. So we're excited for that. That's something that a lot of, of my fans have came to uh, kind of expect. You know, this will be year three for us now, so it's going to be uh, – a cool event for us to to be out there with the fans and the community and raise money for a good cause and and uh, enjoy our time have you also gotten some feedback whether it's you know twitter or you name the social media platform yeah we've had a ton of uh response to my retirement from fans and and the snowmobile community and even some of the other racers that are you know just congratulating me and being super um thankful and positive and i really appreciate that it means a lot to to hear the positive uh comments and the you know, the fans will come out with some stories and memories that they have from watching me, you know, maybe even 15, 16, 17 years ago, and then the memories that they have now. So it's fun to, to you know, feel that uh, passion from the fans and their, their support for me, uh, you know, as I'm kind of changing, changing my life a little bit. So it's fun to, to realize how much uh, I've been able to impact some people and, and give them a good time and share my love of snowmobiling. I mean, you're still ride snowmobiles right i mean that's never going to go away right yeah i'm actually excited to ride snowmobiles more i mean uh, believe it or not i I don't get to ride very much i spend so much time on my race snowmobile i mean riding on the track but just as a a recreational rider enjoying the trails or mountain riding Mm -hmm. or uh you know riding on the lake there's so many great places to ride here in minnesota and, and all over that I'm excited to go do that because with racing full time, you just don't get the time. Uh, and honestly, sometimes I just wouldn't wouldn't want to go ride my snowmobile when I had a, a, a spare moment. It was like I just need to, you know, relax and get ready for the race and not go ride snowmobiles more. So I think that part of it is going to be fun for me and my wife and my family to enjoy snowmobiling, you know, as a sport because that's the whole reason we got into racing was just the love of riding a snowmobile. So it's going to be fun to see, you know, what what kind of snowmobile rides I go on and how much fun they are and the, the kind of stuff we can do. Hopefully I can keep it under control and not, uh, you know, not be getting any speeding tickets on the trail. Or <laughs> it's going to be hard to be a, a normal trail rider yeah. now. <laughs> are you prepared to have a lot of free time? I mean, you know, you're constantly on the road. You've got this appearance. You've got this race. You're not going to have a lot of free time. Are you prepared for that? Uh, yeah, I don't think I'll have much free time. I mean, for me, uh, I just have to go, 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 and I'm super busy all the time. There's there's a lot of stuff that I've kind of put on hold and haven't done, you know, with racing. So, well, for like examples, yeah, just I like being at home. I like uh, I like working outside and, and making trails and just doing things. I mean, there's just so many things that that I've kind of got going on in my life right now that I've 
I've got a lot of stuff coming Good. up that I can okay. work on. A lot of busyness, but yeah. that's different from racing, you know. So I think it's going to be a little different when race season comes around and I'm not out there getting ready for the for the first race of the season, but I'll just have to figure it out as it goes. Tucker Hibbert, the greatest snowcross racer that has ever lived. That does it for Scoop Podcast episode 150. Remember to support Skoll Marketing. They keep the podcast going online, skollmarketing.com, or call them for a free 30-minute consultation. They can help you. If you're a business owner, think about utilizing Skoll Marketing. It is 612-787-SKOLL. 612-787-SKOLL. Or once again, for more information, check out their website, skollmarketing.com. Have a good one.